Welcome back, Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy, after a year of death. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Leah just started us off, so that's the beginning. I'm Thomas. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Leah. <laughs> and I'm Raphael. And we're so out of practice. We're really out of practice. We haven't done this in a long time because of the pandemic. <laughs> So we wanted to get back in and just say hello to everybody, let you know we're still here, still alive, still we, alive. None of us have died yet. Yet. Yeah, that we know of. What? Came close. <laughs> yes. Tom, Tom, Thomas looks like he's got one foot in the grave, but yeah, I mean, he's always looked that way. <laughs> I, I got one foot in the grave and one foot in an electrical outlet, so, you know. That's like having nice. two it, it, it balances it balances itself out. I, I think <laughs> I'm in a constant state of dying and reviving. <laughs> you smell like fried chicken. And I smell like fried chicken. Oh, thank and you. And burnt hair. I took a shower yesterday. <laughs> Doesn't have to burn hair. No, you gotta do it twice a day in the summer. Yeah, so anyway, so today we were planning on talking about what the heck happened during the whole pandemic demoniumness what we've and been what up we've to. been up to first yeah. things first we've been up to not recording podcast episodes yeah we did we did that not for a while <laughs> because we did the social distancing like 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 good boys and girls yeah and jeremy's no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> He's separate. i don't know i'm just being i'm just being adored all right, so anyway, uh, stuff that we got done. Raph, was your last book of your uh, Sunrider trilogy, was that published during COVID or like right before? I'm trying to remember. It was published practically um, right before COVID and then um, all chaos. Everything, you know, just everything hit the fan and... Yeah, that was a, that's, that was a great time, by the way, to publish a book when everyone thought the world was ending and, you know, people were spending their money on stockpiling food and ammo and toilet paper. and toilet paper. And, you know, and I'm over here like, hey, I got a book. And they're like, I don't care. I'm dying. And I'm like, oh, OK. But then, then people started caring about books and buying them more because they were bored and cooped up. Yeah, I guess it balanced itself out. And now they're trying to uh, plan vacations that, because of surges in COVID, might get canceled again anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Which means I should have been writing a travel book this entire time. <laughs> you did. Well, I mean, you wrote three. I mean, there weren't a travel book to anywhere on Earth, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And then, let's see, what, what else have you been up to? Tell us a bit about your uh, current projects. Is there... Uh, NDAs are involved but i am working I on see much about that one but you talk about your other one i am working on a new fantasy book and for a series it's a mega monster epic giant ultra huge fantasy with lots of rich and highly detailed magics um it's while the sunrider books was kind of my introduction into the fantasy genre this is kind of my uh my uh hopefully an, an opus day of, of, of everything I've accumulated and all the understanding I've accumulated of what works and what doesn't work in fantasy. So I'm excited to work on that. It has been uh, quite a journey. 
And uh, especially after getting some individual one-on-one training with with uh, Dave Wolverton, Dave Farland, as some know him as, you know, being able to take my ride into the next level by the person who, you know, greenlit Harry Potter and got Brandon Sanderson going in his career field, you know, hopefully that gives me a one up. So yeah, I am excited. I'm super excited too. I am too, because I've seen the artwork that you've done for this new project and I've seen some of the notes that you've taken and read some of your excerpts and they are excellent. Um, oh, well, that, I totally forgot to mention that. Yeah. This book is hopefully going to be chock full of footnotes, art recipes. I mean, every little extra that you can think of, I'm, it's it's going to be an entire world inside of a book more than just the written word but i am maintaining the idea that you know the plot and the the story itself has to be able to stand on its own as high quality and all those extras you know whether they are diagrams and maps uh character profile sheets uh footnotes or recipes or tabs for lyrics or a million other things that i'm going to be adding to it that stuff you know is great but you know, it's more there for the fun of it, for the people that enjoy that kind of stuff than anything else. But yeah. Gravy and frosting. You know, some people won't eat cake if it doesn't have gravy and frosting. Wait, sorry, just frosting. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never had gravy cake before. Mm, <laughs> gravy cake. You've never had, um, that, that always reminds me of, what is it, German chocolate cake with like the, the, the coconut so I, I, I do realize, I do realize that, you know, too much gravy on mashed potatoes is too much gravy on mashed potatoes. So what I'm doing is I'm just taking all that gravy and all those mashed potatoes and I'm just mixing them up so you can't really just, you know, separate them. And then I'm just like, ah, enjoy your soup. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like a mad scientist of a writer right now. That's cool. I like gravy soup. I like mad scientists. Me too. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, um, Leah, tell us about what you've been working on. Uh, well, I uh, published my second novel in just last December. Yay! Yeah. And I'd say I was doing, I'd say my sales have been great, but that'd be a lie because I really suck at advertising. So I've not you been. You re released book one, too. I did. I re released, I re edited and re released book one and then released book two. And I've actually been getting better sales than I have in the past, but that doesn't mean it's, it's great or anything. So, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty bad at advertising, but I do find it's have an advertisement and uh, I'll it's be working on, on actually using that advertisement. You're getting much better sales than Jerry. Hey, well, yes. Leah, I, I would recommend that anything that you do with advertising, you take careful and detailed notes of every single thing in your advertising process. So you have basically an advertising marketing journal that you can always refer back to and say, hey, these are the things that worked. These are the things that didn't work. And you can hone to your particular skill set and to the style of books and your audience. That's a good idea. Did you do anything like that with your advertising? Um, to quite a bit of an extent I did, but I started learning the importance of keeping that marketing or that advertising journal quite almost too late in the process of the Sunrider trilogy. I really started doing that, you know, halfway through the second book going into the third book. Oh. Granted, I did have a lot of notes that I had taken of what I had wanted to do right off the beginning. So that did help me kind of go back and fill in some of those missing gaps, um, from the marketing days of the first book. But now that, um, I'm going into this new series and do and kind of expanding my uh, uh, writing career, I know going forward, you know, I'm going to have specifically a set aside journal that documents everything that I've done, you know, 
check marking or xing out the things that didn't succeed as well as others because the diff- most difficult thing about being a writer in the marketing stage is spending way too much time marketing versus writing your next story so once you have honed exactly what works for you that you know just makes your entire process of being the artist to the businessman back to the artist it, it's an entire you know it's it's a lot more smooth of a process yeah that's good advice for sure that's definitely good advice um, um lastly though i finished writing my third book Woo-hoo. so uh, i've got that going through the editing phase right now i have some some readers going through it and uh yeah that's been pretty much me I keep forgetting to bring, I, I have physical copies of one and two, and I keep forgetting to bring them to have okay. you sign them. I keep giving mine away. I'll go buy some more. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> keep giving them away. I want my copy signed. You got to come. You got to come be with us in person. Sounds good to me. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, Jeremy, what about you? You've got a lot done over the past COVID. A lot of is, is a COVID a measurement of time now? Over the yeah, past the COVID? COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Did a lot of editing. A lot of editing. Uh, I finally hit the point where I've decided it's done. That for me is gonna be the hardest been the hardest decision I've ever had as a writer. Yeah. Is deciding, yes, it's done, because I can go back even now and still find stuff. Uh, but it's done. I, I just have to accept it. Uh. That's the life of an artist, though. You—it'll never seem good enough to you. You're—you're you're always going to notice the flaws that nobody else notices. Right. Exactly. It's never complete, and it's only abandoned. <laughs> so That's a bit abysmal, but <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, true. But still. You're so amazing. Oh, you're I don't even know nice. if you can hear that. Um, amazing. I've also read a, a few people's books over this. I got most. I got all the way through what was written in book three. Now I have to finish it. I'm looking forward to reading that. And I read Thomas's, I believe, during that time. Twice. All of it. Uh, <laughs> at least once. Kind of, one and kind a half. Of twice, right? About one and a half. It's like bounce around and sort of read a little bit. So, yeah. Did you read two masters in that time too, or was that before? COVID? I think that was before. Okay. Yeah, I think I, so. I enjoy reading. I think I even read uh, Sammy's Picking during that time. Yeah, we read Sammy's book, Picking. Yes, so that was another book. So um, good. And I got to read uh, Raphael's, what he had shared, and that's amazing. I had lots of good stuff coming out of this group. Lots of good, really fun stuff to read. So, yeah, so right now, uh, trying to get the publishing to happen <laughs> that's uh, next phase for me uh, trying to not go back to book one and say i'm going to do edit pass 18. <laughs> i'm going to stop and just say okay good uh, let it go let, it, let, it let, go. let, let the bird leave the nest mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right let it full, fly jeremy a full-grown bird let Kick it leave out. the nest yeah, <laughs> full-grown full bird <laughs> So, so you, 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 you saying let it go is just giving me PTSD right now because my two-year-old daughter with watching Frozen over and over and over <laughs> right now, you know, every time I hear those words, I like my, my hands clench into talon-like claws and I kind of start looking ar- around wildly. I have this like dead zone in my brain that like, like just wiggles a little bit when someone says 
well, I don't even remember the word fro 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 yo fro yo fro yo. Yeah, you really should just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's what's funny. My 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 five year old son keeps for some reason I have no idea where he came up with this, but he keeps going around and pointing to people and saying "suffer for your sins," and he just walks away. <laughs> and now my two year old is now in the mix of she, she, she'll be singing, let it go from frozen, but she starts saying the, the phrase that my five-year-old son says. So she'll be like, let it go for your sins. And she's just walking around in her <laughs> diaper pointing to people. And I'm like, what, what, what is happening in this household right now? That, that, that's so. I, I don't know why you're surprised. That sounds exactly like something that would happen to your children. I did an oops. Well, it's now Thomas's turn. Now it's Thomas's turn. So let's see. What did I do during COVID? I edited and edited and edited. And edited more. And edited some more. Mm -hmm. And then read the whole book aloud to my wife of um, the book Son of the Stars, formerly known as The Balance Between. It's about magic space monks. Magic space monks. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars, if they actually understood Buddhism. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Just joking. It's not actually that much like There's no lightsaber. There's no lightsaber. Wait. Oh, shush. I mean, there are kind of lightsabers, but they're not they're purely, you know, these monks, they like, you know, they meditate and then they use their magic to like summon matter from the beyond. And it's like mm-hmm. this super solid glowing pure white matter. Yes, cut but not anything. a lightsaber. It doesn't make it's those sounds. not a lightsaber. Sounds. No, it doesn't make those sounds. Yeah, the disc-like ship that they fly in is called the Celestial Vulture, not the Millennium Falcon. It's very different. <laughs> the Celestial Vulture? Vulture, yeah. <laughs> okay, now I just have to write something that has this, the Celestial Vulture. In and it. instead of being modeled after a hamburger, it was modeled after a hoagie's <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hot dog on a stick. No. Oh, it was modeled after a hot dog? So he's got a really phallic ship going on here. You guys watch out. Man, my my uh, English professors would be so proud of me. Um, anyway, so I did a ton of that, and that book is amazing. And it's the best thing I've ever written. And, like, it makes me cry when I read it. I know that probably sounds like really self-confident or overconfident but i wrote like five other novels that were trash so you know i had lots of practice so I, I i feel like i can say i write good stuff um and yeah, then you do you do thank yeah you. you do oh shucks and then also i have been spending a boatload of time researching and getting a list together and querying agents um, I have sent my query out to nine agents and gotten five rejections so far. Um, I have, with the help of my wonderful writing group, I've been revising that query letter to have more poetry and pizzazz. Um, Jenny and our writing group, she really helped with that. Yeah. Um, so I'm ready for the next batch, which I'll probably start doing uh, this coming week. And I have a list of about, it's around 60 agents that I'm going to query. And Thomas, can you go over really quick for everybody? Um, what process did you use to develop your list of agents? 
Well, to bring up David Farland again, he actually gave really good advice to me about uh, how to do that. Um, first step is going to publisher, publishersmarketplace.com and getting a membership. It's $25 a month. I used it for like two months and then closed it again. Um, and anyway, what they do is they report on publishing deals and they report on who the author is, uh, usually like a one sentence description of the book, um, what editor at which publishing house purchased it and which agent represented it if there was one. And it's all like cross-referenced and clicky linked. And so I went to the publishers that I wanted the most and I went through the deals that they had made actually for like the past like 10 years and compared that to the agents who represented those and made that list and certain agents like like I had like 120 but like certain agents aren't accepting submissions right now certain ones are at the same agency and they only want you to send it to one and then some are like just not representing fantasy anymore and so now that's how I got to about 60. So next week I'm going to send it out probably to another eight or nine um following up with that question since you did a lot of research on agents and you've been looking at all these statistics and looking at these algorithms um like 100 what, hours over the past like three weeks where what do you where do your feelings um you know like where does your mental state sit at when it comes to the outlook of epic fantasy right now for agents and publishers is it the same as it's always been is there a larger demand a decreasing demand a shift in the type of demand like what what have you seen so far well one thing that i've seen a lot of talking about fantasy is there are a lot of requests for uh fantasy that is inspired by different historical periods that are usually depicted in fantasy. So we've had a lot of medieval fantasy, and now we're getting to the point that we've had a lot of, of certain areas of Asia fantasy, um, that that's getting pretty uh, populated too, but not quite as much as medieval. But now we're getting things like African-inspired, Polynesian-inspired, and I think it's really cool. Now, granted, when I am brainstorming my books, I'm not... I'm going to do Samoa, but fantasy. <laughs> like I try to push my cultures like even more forward. Um, and there's actually a demand for fantasy that like is mixing up genres or is like smart and clever or actually understand science and physics, even for fantasy. Um, and then there's also a demand for more diverse voices, um, uh, like LGBTQIA plus, and then people of color and all those things. So that's what they're asking for. Now you asked if I feel like it's going down. One thing that's always big in genre fiction is like thrillers and mysteries are always like they're bigger than sci-fi and fantasy when it comes to sales. Um, fantasy, like from, oh man, I was looking at this chart on one of the hundred websites I looked at. Um, fantasy sales, they're not going down and they're not like, I don't think they're drastically going up, but I think it's, it's pretty steady right now. 
which kind of means that trying to get an agent can or a publisher can be tricky because, you know, everybody and their dog. When it's steady, there's not a high demand. Yeah. Well, usually for me, in the case of historical patterns, when it comes to the steady sales of a specific genre in the literary world, it usually indicates that at some point there is going to be a shift in just the way that genre works that's going to drastically change it in some way down the road because there has to be um we've seen that before with romance for example in a way you've had a lot of steady romance sales for a large period of time but i did see a transitional shift where it was more of like a, a separate branch was born from it where which is more of the raunchy um you know bedroom romance that kind of came out and that um yeah you know with um you you see shifts in the way that you know a genre is written you have the super classic tolkien fantasy and it started growing to be a you know a new age fantasy where you're now including diversity in politics you know there's going to be some more changes down the road yeah it'll be interesting to see where it goes but I, I I hope one of these 56 agents will accept. I am going to query them all, and we'll see. Got to catch them all. Yeah. Save every rejection letter. Save every rejection letter. Everyone's telling me to print the rejection letters. Print them, laminate them, put them in a binder. Pokemon card, collect them. Mm-hmm. Trade them amongst your friends. I wouldn't know that. Be like, hey, look. These people hate me. No, I'm just my kidding. T-shirt of rejection. <laughs> it's my t-shirt of shame. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so there we go. I've kind of taken a pause from writing to submit so that I can try to get published. It's some of the big traditional houses. Well, so yeah, that, that's where we are, all four of us. All right. I think we are basically out of time. So how did we end these things? Like, we, we'd say something about a dead cat. Thank you, come again. Thank you, come again. Yeah. Actually, I wanted to add one more thing. I Jeremy's wanted to congratulate uh, Lee on a website. Oh, yep, I have a website. Uh, Thomas's looks nice, Rash nice. looks nice. I have nice a website, too. although it's empty. <laughs> and I got beat for some reason, that's awesome. <laughs> I we should end this on a bet amongst friends to determine how long is Thomas's hair gonna grow this year. It's kind of stopped. I need to start taking some vitamins or something. <laughs> yeah, Leah's got you beat. Leah, I got to a certain point. I'm always gonna have you beat. My hair grows an entire inch a month. Mine used my mine mine did do that. Until it got this long, so like I gotta get some vitamins or something. I actually had a haircut within the last like two months ago that cut off seven inches. Seven. And now it's like <laughs> down already down your waist. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Like I said, it grows really fast, so don't use me as a measure. <laughs> <laughs> My money is on me and Jeremy having the longest hair at the end of the month. Chin chin hair doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Or is it just hair? 
Oh, chest hair better not count. <laughs> chest hair is not as as much about length as as it is a, a volume thing, you know. Uh, How poofy a, does it make your shirt? A, a warm bosom of of love. Oh, that's, that's a great way to end our. <laughs> so on that note, four seasons of epic fantasy. Things are getting weird. Goodbye. Peace out. <laughs>